Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Good morning. How is everybody? Good? Even if you weren't, you would say, I'm good. That's what we do. So a few weeks ago, as I was preparing my heart and praying and asking God, I got to take these off. There's a really bad glare. Um, I was just asking the Lord for direction for this message and seeking his face and asking for help. And one of the first things that I heard him tell me was to encourage his people, which includes myself, to encourage you guys and myself with joy. That's the word I heard. And then I don't know if you guys noticed last week, Chris got up here and he was like, the Lord is releasing joy. And when he said that, I was like, yes, Lord, that is a word from you. This is what you're doing in this time. I don't know about you guys, but who, who would like a little bit of joy right now? I mean, listen, the truth is that what's happening right now in the world, in our nation, it's heavy. And as Christians, you may not know exactly what it is, but you're probably sensing and feeling the heaviness of the spiritual battle that's raging around us. I mean, there are so many lies, so much confusion, depression, oppression, all of it. And we need the joy of the Lord. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah said that to the Israelites. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why? Why is the joy of the Lord our strength? Because he's the Lord. And what does he do? He keeps his promises. As, as his children, as his sons and daughters, you have an inheritance that's amazing. That should bring you joy. As his sons and daughters, you have power and authority in the name of Jesus, just in the name, Jesus. That should bring you some joy and strength. We need strength right now as Christians to get through this time. And that comes through keeping our joy in the Lord. A few weeks ago, I had allowed myself to get so worked up and so anxious and so fearful about stuff that's happening in the world. And that this is not like me, honestly. But for about a week, I was having chest pains. And I knew it wasn't a heart attack because I could tell how I was feeling inside. But I noticed the reason that I was having chest pains is because I had stepped out from underneath God's authority and his protection in my life. And when I really saw that I had been looking at the world, right, looking at all the news, looking at all the stuff that's happening, and then I was like, hold on a second. All the world does is tell me lies. Why am I focused over here? So I turned back around, got underneath the shadow of his wings again. Peace came back. Joy came back. So I just want to encourage you guys with that word today. Find the joy of the Lord. Um, in Proverbs 31, it's talking about this woman of God, this godly woman, who I'm like, probably never going to live up to that. But she's awesome. But there's a line in there that says that she laughs at the days to come. She laughs at the days to come. She doesn't know what those days are going to hold. There's probably good and bad. Why is she laughing? Because she knows who her God is. And she knows that his plans for her are good, so she can laugh and have joy. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence. And Lord, I just ask that you would help me in Jesus' name. Short and sweet. Okay, Matthew 15. 
turn to Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parent, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. So I want to give you a quick rundown of who the Pharisees were, in case you're not familiar. So the Pharisees were a group of religious leaders. They had been around for a few hundred years, and they were specifically trained in the Law of Moses. The Law of Moses was the first five books of the Bible, and they were trained up as children. They had those first five books memorized, and they, they were the guys that walked around making sure everybody was keeping the law. Everybody was doing exactly what they should do to be accepted by God, and they held a lot of influence and a lot of power when it came to all that stuff, and not just with the law and the traditions, but the Pharisees held a lot of power when it came to influencing the government and influencing just society in general. So they hear about Jesus and some of these things that he's doing, some of these things he's teaching that are contrary to what they teach. So they come and they seek him out and they come and find him. But notice they don't ask the disciples why they're not washing their hands. They come to Jesus because Jesus was their rabbi. He was their teacher. And that means that Jesus must have spent time tearing down that specific belief. And it's funny because if you think about it, the, all the disciples were Jewish. So they had probably grown up doing this ceremonial hand washing. It was probably ingrained in them. So it was probably a habit and it was probably hard to break. And I thought, man, I wonder how many things in our lives we actually need to unlearn. How many things do we do out of habit thinking that's what God wants me to do? When in fact, it can cause separation. So Jesus taught them to not obey something they had obeyed their whole lives. So the Pharisees say, why aren't they obeying this? And Jesus is so cool, he doesn't even answer their question. He just asks them a question. Which if you read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus asked people a lot of questions. Why? Because when you answer a question honestly, especially when it's from Jesus, it reveals what's inside of you, what's in your heart. So they asked Jesus, why aren't they following this? And Jesus says, why do you violate the commandments of God? And then it's funny because he doesn't even give them a chance to answer it, <laughs> which I love, because they probably had an answer. He, Jesus knew these Pharisees would have had an answer for everything. They would have had every excuse in the book why they do what they do. But Jesus didn't have time for a debate, so he just goes in for the kill, right for the jugular when he quoted Isaiah. And Heather talked about Isaiah a lot last week. So Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus was born. And those words at that time were for the Israelites. 
Now, 700 years later, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees saying that those words are for them. Guys, we have to open our minds and our hearts and stop limiting the word of God. The Bible says God's word is living and active. So it's moving. It's moving throughout history. It's moving right now in this time. So that means that prophecies from thousands of years ago can actually be for us in this time today, in this season. So Jesus tells them Isaiah was right when he said, your lips honor me, but your heart is far from me, and your worship is a farce. I thought, man, that's, that's really not a nice thing to say. That's not a nice thing to tell someone that they're a fake, and that's what he was doing. He was saying, you're fake. And I would imagine that the Pharisees actually thought Jesus had no clue what he was talking about because the Pharisees knew who Isaiah was. They knew about his writings. They knew that those words were for the Israelites who were worshiping idols and blatantly sinning against God. So the Pharisees were probably thinking, how does that apply to us? You know, we wear our holy clothes. I can quote the Old Testament. You know, we're super meticulous and serious about following all of God's laws. We're nothing like them. But they were blind. They were blinded by their pride. They couldn't see that they were worshiping false idols as well. And the reason they couldn't see it is because their idols weren't made of bronze and gold. Their idols were made of thoughts and ideas that they held higher than God's commands. And Jesus was calling them out. In fact, he even called them hypocrites. Hypocrites. Guys, I don't think Jesus was that concerned about telling people nice things. I think he was more concerned and is more concerned about telling people the truth and revealing their heart condition. I think of the poor disciples during this exchange with the Pharisees and and Jesus. It was probably like a ping pong match. What's he going to say next? Peter, he called them hypocrites. Let's get out of here. And it probably made the disciples uncomfortable. I bet some of them were thinking during this exchange, I, I guarantee some of them were thinking, man, Jesus, tone it down a little bit. You know, these are the Pharisees. You don't want to tick these guys off. How about we just do what they're asking us to do? Let's just wash our hands instead of causing confrontation over something so small. I mean, how often have we done that and made those types of excuses to avoid confrontation? Because sometimes it's easier not to ruffle the feathers. Sometimes it's easier to be politically correct and avoid confrontation. But sometimes that's not what we're called to. Sometimes we're called to be uncomfortable. Sometimes we're called to confront lies and confusion and ideas that are completely contrary to what God is telling us. And yeah, that can be uncomfortable. And the disciples were about ready to get even more uncomfortable because listen to this next verse, verses 10 through 11. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. So the cleansing of the hands ceremony thing, that that tradition, that said that if you ate anything, even a grape, without going through that ceremonial hand washing, that that would make your entire body unclean. 
And then what that did is that set up a whole nother set of to-dos that you would have to do in order to be clean again. So Jesus wasn't against hand-washing. He was against the idea that not washing your hands would make you unacceptable to God. So he was tearing down that idea. Verse 12 says, Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. Ignore them? Ignore them? Ignore these men who were highly respected religious leaders of the law and the traditions of God? Ignore these men who had influence all throughout every part of society? That doesn't sound like a very nice thing to say. And the disciples weren't used to this. They were, they were worried because Jesus was shaking up the system. He was shaking up a system that had been around for a very long time, and people were used to it. People were comfortable with it. But it was time for the new thing. So Jesus started tearing down the old things, tearing down the old system, the old thoughts, ideas, and teachings, and even laws that exalted themselves above God. And he had to do that in order to build up the new thing. Jeremiah 31, 28. In the past, I deliberately uprooted and tore down this nation. I overthrew it, destroyed it, and brought disaster upon it. But in the future, I will just as deliberately plant it and build it up. I, the Lord, have spoken. There are seasons of tearing down and seasons of building up. But the majority of the time, actually probably all the time, the tearing down doesn't feel so nice, doesn't sound so nice, doesn't look so nice. But that's what we get hung up on. We get hung up on the being nice thing because sometimes we equate being nice with being loving. But one of the definitions, Ryan, this is for you. I got a definition for you. One of the definitions of nice is agreeable. But when you read the Gospels, that's not something you should ever walk away with thinking that Jesus was. He only agreed with his Father in heaven. He did not agree with men. Jesus doesn't care about telling us nice things. He cares about telling you true things. And I know there's a lot of people who are going to say, well, what about the love, right? What about speaking truth in love? And I hear you, and I understand it, because there's a verse in Ephesians that says that. Speak the truth in love. Guys, the problem is we have become so shallow in our reading of God's word, we don't look into anything. And the truth is that there are Greek and Hebrew meanings. And when you look further, that word love in Ephesians, it's incredibly expansive. It means lots and lots of different things. And one of those things that it means, this is a definition of love. Let me find it. Concern for the good of another. Concern for the good of another. See, I think we've confused speaking the truth in love with meaning don't speak the truth if it doesn't sound loving, right? If, if what I'm going to say is going to make that person uncomfortable 
or it's going to make them think that I'm not being loving. I'm just going to stay quiet. But the result of that is watered-down Christianity, which is what we're seeing a lot of today. And listen, a watered-down Christianity means a watered-down Jesus. I don't want a watered-down Jesus. I want all of him. I want every flavor that he can bring to my life. And being very bold with the truth is one of those flavors. You know, some people, when you read scripture, when you read the gospel, some people received the bold truth, bold truth from Jesus, and their hearts changed. And I think of the woman at the well. So Jesus is talking to her, and at one point he says, hey, go get your husband and bring him back here. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're right, you've had five. And the guy you're shacking up with now isn't even one of them. That's, ba- that's what he said to her. I paraphrased. But listen, that, that wasn't a nice thing to say. In fact, those words could have been viewed as a very confrontational. But it ended up changing her life forever. And then, of course, there were others that he spoke bold truth to that hated him for it. And they wanted to crucify him for it because they were offended by it. And their hearts were hardened. I think it's interesting that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, I am the way, the love, and the life. Why did he choose to describe himself that way? Because we know that, in fact, God is love. Jesus is God. So we know that Jesus is our ultimate example of what it looks like to love other people. But sometimes I think we let the truth get lost in the love part. I actually think we have it backwards sometimes because a lot of times the truth is actually the love. The truth is actually what will draw people and show people their need for Jesus. And then through him, they experience the love of the Father. No one comes to the Father except through truth. So if your heart is right towards someone, if you're concerned for the good of another person and you're speaking truth to them out of that concern, have confidence, you guys. That is love. But the reality is is that sometimes it won't be received that way. A.W. Tozer said to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. We have to be okay with being in trouble with men if we want to stay in step with God. And it's because truth doesn't always tell us nice things. And guys, we're living in a crazy time because even truths that should actually make us really happy and excited are offending people. For instance, according to the CDC, yes, I'm going there. According to the CDC, you are three times more likely to die of the flu than of COVID-19. I didn't make that up. I mean, there's like super smart scientists, doctors are looking at these numbers and that's what they're saying. But how dare I say such words? (laughs) Guys, it's crazy. My son Brennan and I were talking the other day and he said something actually really profound. He said, The real truth is harder to hear than the fake truth. And I was like, you are exactly right. The real truth is harder to hear because the real truth 
exposes what's in here. The real truth will always bring you to a crossroad, right? Do I keep doing it my way or am I going to turn and do it God's way? Why do you think the Pharisees hated Jesus so much? That's what he was doing to them. He was exposing them. The real truth was that they had exalted their own ideas, their own thoughts, their own selves above God. They were worshiping themselves. And the fake truth was that by doing those things, it was somehow pleasing to God. And when Jesus started tearing down their ideas, it offended them. Even the disciples were worried about Jesus offending them, right? They said, don't you know you're offending them? And that's the crazy part, you guys, is we're even worried about other people being offended and not being told nice things. But the nice things are never the hard things. And the hard things are what God uses to shape us and mold us and teach us and build us. Old things have to be torn down to make way for the new thing. And Jesus was doing that. He was tearing down old things to make way for the kingdom of God. And listen, he wasn't going to stop and play nice just because it offended some people. Our verse for this series is the one that Heather read last week. Isaiah 30, 8 through 11. Now go and write down these words. Write them in a book. They will stand until the end of time as a witness that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. And now... Here Jesus is, 700 years later, the Holy One of Israel standing before them, and he was still told to stop speaking the truth. He was told to be quiet. He was told to leave. He was hated for the truth he was speaking. Look at this passage. It's Luke chapter 13, verse 30. So Jesus is talking to a group of people, and that included some Pharisees. And he's talking about heaven, and Jesus says, some people who seem least important now will be the greatest then, and some who are the greatest now will be least important then. Talk about shaking up their system. The Pharisees were offended by that. How dare Jesus say that they wouldn't have a high place in heaven? They're doing everything they need to do in order to make sure that that happens. So in verse 31, it says, At that time, some Pharisees said to him, Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. They're threatening Jesus because he's not telling them nice things. But listen to how Jesus responds in verse 32. Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must proceed on my way. That's not a very nice thing, is it? To call Herod, who's basically the governor, a fox? I wonder if Jesus would call any governors foxes today, but he would. And you know what he was basically saying? He was saying, you're a thief. You're a sneak. You're a liar. 
Then Jesus proceeds to tell them he will not listen to a word they say. He'll keep doing what he's doing. I mean, these were authorities, some of them government authorities telling Jesus, hey, cut the crap or you're going to get killed. And here's a question for you. Do you really think that Jesus said those words gently and kindly? Because calling someone a fox isn't gentle. Telling the authorities you're going to keep doing what they told you not to do isn't very nice. Definitely not agreeable. But how about right now? How, how about right now in this season in America? How can that translate to us today? So you've got churches who are bowing to Herod. You have churches who are keeping their doors closed pastors and leaders who are avoiding confrontation at all costs because they want to look nice and agreeable. And thankfully, we have churches and pastors and leaders who are shaking up the system, refusing to close their doors. They're refusing to forsake the assembling together. Listen to this first, you guys. Hebrews 10, 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. And when I read that, I I couldn't help but wonder, man, Lord, is that for us today and this time? Because there's a whole lot of Christian leaders who are neglecting meeting together because they're fearful, maybe of COVID, maybe of just the confrontation of in within their congregation conversations that they'd have to have. They want to be nice. They want to be agreeable. And there's even plenty of people who say that they're Christians that actually are offended that churches are open. And it's absolutely insane, especially when you look at the statistics of COVID. Nobody should be fearful to come through the doors of the church. Nobody. But it all comes back to the truth. And the truth is offensive to people, no matter how blatantly obvious it is. Acts 5.29, Peter said, we have to obey God before man. We have to obey God before man. And yes, I know there's several verses in Scripture that say, you know, submit to your governing authorities because God has put them there. So you know what? That is true. But we have to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. We obey God before man. And that's what Jesus did, and it cost him his life. I think it's time that we ask ourselves some serious questions You know, are you someone who has a hard time hearing bold truths? Do you get offended often? Do you keep silent to avoid confrontation? Are you always worried about offending someone if you speak the truth? I think many of us have gotten so complacent in our faith that anything that threatens our comfort offends us. Anything that doesn't make us feel safe offends us. Guys, listen, somehow the church in America has become pretty powerless and pretty weak. And it's because we love comfort more than we love the truth. It's because we've chosen to stay silent when we should be speaking boldly. 
Also, somewhere along the line, and I'd like to look at history and see where this happened, somewhere along the line, we have been fooled into believing by the church itself that we should stay silent and stay out of politics. And I would bet that God is saying, who shall I send? Who shall I send? Is there anyone? Is there anyone that'll take this place that I have for you in order to change and shift this culture? And many, many more things why I believe that the church has become powerless and weak. Thankfully, Jesus is still in the business of tearing down things to build new things. Tearing down lies to build the truth. You know, I think we look at the stories about the Pharisees and we think we're so far removed from them. But the reality is, is if there's anything in you that exalts itself above God, and that could be an idea, it can be a feeling, an excuse, things we don't think about that are actually idols in our lives, it has to be torn down. Those things cannot continue to be a place, have a place in your life if you want the new thing that God is ready to give you. But we have to be prepared because sometimes it can be really painful to tear down old things. The band could come up if they want. It's really painful to tear down old things. And that's why we get offended, right? We get offended because it hurts. We get offended because we don't want to do the work. We don't want to go through the pain and the process of tearing down the old stuff. We don't want to be uncomfortable, right? Don't, don't tell me that, Lord. I just want to hear the nice things you have to say to me. I want to stay in my comfort and just keep doing things the way I've always done them. I don't know about you, that has not been working for me lately. It just hasn't. I've, I've had to find new ways to seek the Lord. I've had to find new ways to fight fear and anxiety that I've never had before. And God is faithful when we seek him. He will say, here you go. Here's that new thing you've been looking for. So as we close, I want to share this story with you. Recently, we had to tear down our deck. And it was quite the task because it's a, on the second story, so it's a two-story deck. Well, the deck itself isn't two stories, but you get it. And we've actually been talking about it for years because the thing's falling apart. I mean, rotting boards, separating boards, nails popping through. And so we've talked about it, but we've never done it because the truth is the cost of a new deck was not telling us nice things. <laughs> but we finally did it. We got all of our stuff ordered. Just a few, This has happened all in the last several weeks. And we have a video for you of Jared on the first day that he went out there. He was kind of assessing the situation, Siri wanted to start. Yeah. There we are trying to help him. <laughs> see, listen, he he had to get out there to kind of look to see where he wanted to start cuz that <laughs> Yeah, he just laid there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> 
He wasn't moving. The fact is that old deck had to come down before the new one was built. So he had to get out there. He had to be out there to to start ripping it down. Thankfully, he was okay. He got some bruises. He got some scrapes. He twisted his knee. My ears felt assaulted by what was coming out of his mouth. I was okay. I was all right. But I thought, you know, isn't that how it goes? Isn't that how it goes? You make a decision to start tearing something down in your life, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, this hurts. This doesn't feel so good. But we have to push through. We have to keep going. We have to keep our eyes on God. And I'm glad that Jared was able to get back up and get going again, and he just started chainsawing that sucker off. And it was a process. Most of the old deck Jared was able to tear down on his own. But there were a few of these really big boards that were actually anchored to our house that he needed help with. And thankfully, some friends showed up, and they helped him get those off. And I thought, you know, that's a good picture of what it's like sometimes to tear down the lies, to tear down idols, to tear down all the stuff that isn't from God in our lives, right? Some of it we have to do on our own. We have to recognize it. We have to go to God. We have to go through that pain and the process of working that stuff out and tearing it down. But then there's times when there's things that are so anchored in our souls that we need to have help from the church, from friends who are willing to do the hard stuff with us, to speak truth over us, to encourage us, to spur us on, to keep going. Don't give up. Your breakthrough is coming. And then the even more beautiful part is those same friends help to build the new thing, help to build the new deck. And we have a picture of that, I think. That's still, there we go. Isn't that awesome? It's such a great picture of the body of Christ, how we are supposed to be moving and operating when it comes to tearing down old and building new. But guys, we can't help each other. We can't even help the stuff that's happening in our country if we never speak the truth. If we're never willing to get in the thick of it. So that's my prayer for you today is that is that you will feel emboldened with the truth. That you will feel the power and authority that comes with knowing and speaking the truth of God, and that you will not fear being hated by men. You pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you are the truth. Thank you that you speak the truth and you give us the truth and that you are the way and the truth. God, I ask that you would break off any fear any confusion that is over anyone in this place, Lord, in the name of Jesus, it's got to go. God, I ask that every person in this room would feel just your power infuse them today, that they would feel confident, that they would feel faith arise in them. Because, Lord, we know that you want to use us. We know that we are your vessels and your hands and your feet. Show us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. 
in Jesus' name.